well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you've joined us on the program today. Second Amendment Foundation Executive Vice President and Founder Alan Godley going to be joining us here on the program in just a couple of minutes. We're going to talk about a case that the Supreme Court turned away on Monday. Now, we know that the Supreme Court did not yet, and I emphasize yet, uh, accept the uh, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus, I think it's now called Bruin case, case challenging New York's uh, uh, concealed carry regime. The court did not turn that down. Uh, They did not accept it. They've kept it. Uh, They're going to consider it a little bit longer. And I actually saw a piece of Bloomberg Law yesterday Boy, that must have been painful for the Bloomberg law author to write this. But he says, you know, this is an indication. The court keeping that case for another week, at least, is an indication that the court might actually take the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case. Obviously, they also still have Young versus Hawaii, that case just out of the Ninth Circuit, in which the uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals declared, no, there is no right to openly carry a firearm. A couple of years after the Ninth Circuit said, no, there is no right to carry a concealed firearm. So the Ninth Circuit has said that the right to keep and bear arms does not protect the right to bear arms. And I think that drastically and dramatically uh, improves the odds of the Supreme Court taking a carry case, whether it's the case out of New York or the case out of Hawaii. But a case that the court turned away yesterday is also good news for gun owners. We talked about it with uh, Alan Gottlieb of the Second Amendment Foundation. Take a look and a listen. Alan, thank you so much, sir, for joining me on the program. It's great talking with you today. Yes, it's good to be with you and your listeners. And, uh, you know, this is really interesting. We're, we're watching what's going on in the Supreme Court. Um, the, the court relisted a Kerry case, did not turn it away yesterday. But one case that they did reject, I think gun owners should actually take heart you know, I've heard, I don't know about you, but I've heard from a lot of gun owners who are, let's say they're very skeptical that the Supreme Court is going to step in and take a Second Amendment case. Uh, but New Jersey's Attorney General, Gabir Gruel, wanted the Supreme Court to take a case up yesterday, and the court actually turned him down. Uh, and this is a case, as you say, this isn't necessarily just a Second Amendment case. This is a, a First Amendment case as well. Yeah, this is a case that, that was brought by the Second Amendment Foundation on behalf of Defense Distributed, who makes 3D uh, firearms and or gives that information on the Internet so you can make your own 3D firearm. And uh, the Attorney General in, in New Jersey, uh, supported by Attorney General from a, you know, over a dozen other states, all, all anti-gun Attorney Generals, uh, fought to have the Supreme Court hear this case. We won this case in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals unanimously that were allowed to sue him in Texas because the Attorney General of New Jersey sent threatening letters uh, to Defense Distributed uh, into New Jersey as well as contacted their uh, internet service providers in California trying to get them bounced off the internet so they couldn't put any plans on how you can make your own firearm up on up on the internet. Uh, and so he, he basically tried to get the Supreme Court to overrule a unanimous appeals court decision, and the court refused to do it. This is a huge victory for us right now. This obviously it's an attack on the First Amendment right to exercise your Second Amendment right. Absolutely. And do you see this as a as a good sign coming from the court that they uh, turned away this challenge? Yeah, I do uh, on multi- on multiple grounds. Uh, 
One, of course, because the attorney general was trying to get out of being sued, even though he likes to sue gun owners and gun manufacturers all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but also, more importantly, uh, because his chilling effect on First and Second Amendment rights, uh, the court basically, the appeals court, when they made their ruling, pretty much ruled that he was wrong to begin with and that he, in fact, you know, violated under the color of law First and Second Amendment rights of defense distributed. Uh, but it has to go back down to the lower court for an actual trial. He was trying to get out of that. Uh, so I, I'm really confident that we're going to win. And it's a very huge victory against anti-gun attorney generals. And really, you know, they need to be held accountable for threatening gun owners in the firearms industry. And this is our first volley where we're actually going to get a victory. Yeah, because Gruel sent a cease and desist letter to Defense Distributed. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of these facts. I, I don't have uh, my notes in front of me. But he, he sent a, a cease and desist letter to this organization basically saying you're not allowed to put these files up on the Internet anywhere because New Jersey residents might be able to access them and download them, and we don't want them to do that. It's against the law in New Jersey for uh, folks to uh, print a firearm using a 3D printer. Uh, and because the potential exists that New Jersey residents could find these files, he's trying to simply block access to everybody. Yeah, but also under the color of law, threatened to, to, to you know, put them in, uh, prosecute them criminally and put them in jail. So uh, this is a really Im- Im- important, you know, the future basically – uh, of, of firearms manufacturers is going to be 3D printing like it is for everything else as, as the future goes on. And likewise, you know, these files you're putting up there are really, you know, like printed words. I mean, it's, it, it, you know, it's computer code is a printed word and it's an attack on the First Amendment as well as the Second Amendment. And this is really important uh, for, for the future of firearms manufacturers as well as the fact that, you know, historically, People making being allowed to make their own farms in their own home has been an American tradition since the founding of our republic. Absolutely, and this is something that uh, that Joe Biden is apparently targeting. Uh, I'm sure that you've seen the uh, the quotes from Joe Biden over the weekend. He was asked about uh, any executive actions, and he said, "Well, you know, we're 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 looking at uh, banning uh, the imports of some firearms." Uh, and he said, "We also, you know, looking at uh, 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 these quote unquote ghost guns." And he specifically mentioned 3D printing. Um, so I have to ask, I mean, if the White House were to come out with some sort of executive order uh, trying to ban the 3D printing of firearms, is the Second Amendment Foundation prepared to sue? Well, we already have a suit against the BATF for trying to uh, redefine what a firearm is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, if, and if Biden comes out with an executive order, we will just add him as a defendant to the suit we currently have. Okay. All right. That is uh, that is very good news to hear. Uh, where is the status of that case against the ATF right now? Uh, we're waiting for it, for the federal government to respond. Okay. All right. Uh, and uh, you know, gun control groups they have their own lawsuit, uh, basically uh, against the ATF, uh, trying to force them uh, to redefine the the definition of a firearm under the Gun Control Act to include. Uh, unfinished frames, unfinished receivers, and and uh, I don't believe they've gone so far as to say 3D printed firearms, but they very well might. This is, uh, you know, gun control groups and uh, the former Attorney General of California, uh, who is now the uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services in the Biden administration. So this is clearly an area, as you say, where the manufacturers are are moving towards this, um, but the gun control advocates and the gun control activists don't want this to happen. They they view this as a horrible thing because. How can you curtail, how can you stop people from owning a gun if you can't stop people from building their own? 
Yeah, and there's no doubt that, you know, the congressional, uh, you know, approval of what ATF is doing is not in the book, on the books. Laws passed by Congress define what a firearm is, and certain firearm parts are not considered firearms under federal law. So ATF trying to redefine this, they don't have the legal authority to do it, and that's why we do so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's right there in the Gun Control Act of 1968, how these, uh, uh, firearms are defined. I suppose the the gun control groups say, well, you know, is there, 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 there's that language there about the readily convertible, right? Uh, and if something is readily convertible into a firearm, then it can be regulated as a firearm. But if something is, I mean, I, again, I mean, that's a, sort of a, a uh, uh, an, an undefined phrase. How, how does the ATF then define something that is readily convertible? Well, the anti-gun lobby in this country pretty much, you know, defines gun rights however they want to define them. It doesn't matter what the Constitution says. It's a moving target, and they keep changing what it means uh, to suit their own personal agenda. Uh, and this is what we have to deal with as gun owners and the gun rights community. is they're, they're intellectually totally dishonest. What do you tell gun owners and Second Amendment advocates who would say, you know, look, I, I don't build my own gun. I have no desire to build my own gun. If I want a gun, I go down to the gun store. This, this doesn't impact me. This is sort of a, a niche issue. Uh, so I, I don't really see the need to get involved in this. Well, that only aids and abets our enemy because that's what the anti-gun you know, groups are hoping for in this country is that, well, this doesn't really mean much to me, so it's okay if you come from my neighbor's right to make his own gun. It doesn't affect me until you come to take my gun away. Uh, and it's a divide-and-conquer uh, strategy that the anti-gunners have used for years uh, you know, to try and pick on, you know, hey, it doesn't affect hunting, it doesn't affect this, it doesn't affect that, so it doesn't apply to you, you don't worry about it. And we need to keep the gun rights movement totally unified uh, we call it the NATO doctrine, attack on one gun right, an attack on all gun rights. That's a really, really good way of describing it. Uh, and I think you're absolutely correct about that, because, as you say, we know what their ultimate goal is. They're not going to exempt somebody just because, uh, you know, they're, they're not going after your gun right now. Uh, their end goal, and they are pretty clear about it, uh, is to, quote, reduce the number of firearms uh, available in this country, reduce the number of legal gun owners. They don't say by how much they want to reduce it, but we know that number is zero. Uh, eventually, they want to get to a point where the Second Amendment does not exist, where it's been written out of the, the Constitution. We no longer have uh, a right to keep and bear arms. So in, in that respect, how do you think the, the Second Amendment community is doing in terms of uh, being unified, being active, and, and being engaged in defense of our rights at the moment? At the moment, uh, engagement is very high. We're seeing significant numbers of new supporters and new people getting involved in the gun rights community, uh, and a lot of them are new first-time gun owners. You know, I guess let me just say that every time, if, every time that Biden or Harris or Schumer or Nancy Pelosi has said, well, what we're proposing is just a first step, mm-hmm. I'd be a millionaire. I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, again, that 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 uh, journey of a thousand miles starts with that first step. Uh, and we know where that road leads. Now, if folks do want to get more involved, if they want to get more active, Second Amendment Foundation's website is saf.org. Uh, but let's talk about the Second Amendment First Responders Program for a second, because I know that the organization, uh, you all have been on the airwaves. Uh, folks may have seen the commercials. Uh, while they're watching TV about the Second Amendment First Responder Program. Uh, what is this all about, and how can folks get involved? Yeah, well, this week we're running 87 national TV spots wow. on 21 na- national cable networks. Uh, we've picked up about 70,000 new supporters uh, with this TV ad so far this, this year. And uh, basically the Second Amendment First Responders is, is people that want to be 
heavily engaged in the front lines of defending Second Amendment rights from all sorts of attacks and helping support our, our legal efforts to take a lot of these laws off the books or, or file suits against, like, you know, the Attorney General of New Jersey is, you know, a classic, you know, gun grabber. Uh, so all that information is on the website at saf.org. And the more people we get engaged and involved and are able to inform and educate, get, teach activism to, uh, the better it is for the gun rights community and, and, and gun rights in general. Absolutely. Alan Gottlieb, Executive Vice President and Founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. As always, sir, it is great talking with you. Thank you so much for your time today, and I look forward to doing this again very soon. I hope so. Take care. Have a great day. I do appreciate Alan joining us on the program. And, you know, he's absolutely right, by the way, about the importance of this uh, issue of 3D printing uh, going forward. Even if you don't own a 3D printer, you've never decided, uh, you know what, I want to build my own gun. Uh, which I think, by the way, is becoming more popular. I mean, last year, when it was impossible to find firearms on store shelves, a lot of people decided, all right, I'm going to go ahead and build my own, as they have the right to do. Now, under federal law, any gun that you build at home has to be serialized if it's going to enter the stream of commerce. You can't just turn around and you know make your own guns and sell them out of your garage. You're going to get arrested. You're going to get charged with a crime if you do that. And we've actually seen... Uh, individuals who have been busted for basically running illegal gun manufacturing rings. That shows that the law, by the way, is working. The idea that we would try to prevent law-abiding citizens from being able to build their own firearm, whether it's an 80% uh, frame that they then finish off to a 100% firearm, or taking a spool of polymer and a 3D printer and turning that into a gun, that's not going to stop any criminal activity whatsoever. It will, as Alan said, chill both the Second Amendment and the First Amendment rights of Americans. If we want to get serious about violent crime, then we have to get serious about violent criminals, right? Which brings us to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there. Do we need another gun law on the books? Or should we start enforcing, better enforcing, the laws that are already there? All right, let's talk about a story out of Maryland, where, by the way, they have universal background checks. They have a red flag law. They have a quote-unquote assault weapons ban. They have a high-capacity magazine ban. They have every gun control law that you could possibly think of. Well, I'm sure the gun control advocates can think of a few more. They have an awful lot of them on the books. Most of them put in effect in 2013 with the Maryland Firearm Safety Act. Since then, by the way, violent crime has only gone up in uh, Maryland's uh, biggest city, Baltimore. They've had, uh, I believe now, six straight years. No, uh, 2014, 15, 16, 17. Yeah, six straight years of more than 300 homicides in Baltimore, Maryland. Despite all those new gun laws on the books that were supposed to make Baltimoreans and Marylanders safer, it's not what's happening. But we are seeing stories like this. I was emotional. Maryland man gets probation after firing gun firing gun in a political sign dispute. Mm -hmm. So this wasn't just, you know, a case of even pointing a uh, firearm. It's like the uh, like the McCloskey's in St. Louis, right? Who, when the uh, crowd of uh, demonstrators broke down that gate and went into their private community and the McCloskey's came out in their yard and they had their firearms and now they're facing felony charges of unlawful use of a firearm. In Kingsville, Maryland, 50-year-old Douglas Kuhn was sentenced on Wednesday after pleading guilty to second-degree assault 
and he got 18 months of supervised probation. Mm -hmm. Kuhn, according to Channel 13 News, fired a gun after two men, Neil Houck and Bradley Lang, honked at him. That's it. They honked at him as he was putting up a Black Lives Matter sign in his yard back in October. Kuhn faced charges of first and second degree assault, reckless endangerment, as well as discharging a weapon within a metropolitan district. But prosecutors gave Mr. Kuhn a sweetheart deal. Every charge was dropped except for the misdemeanor second degree assault charge. Now, according to ABC 13, Hauk and Lang, along with his son, or I'm sorry, I guess Lang is his son, uh, were driving a pickup truck with a large Trump 2020 sign mounted in the bed while they were out posting political signs as they drove past Kuhn's home. Hauk told police that after honking at Kuhn, he saw Kuhn retrieve a shotgun from the ground and then aim it at the truck as Hauk made a right turn. Uh, Kuhn's attorney disputes that, saying that uh, Kuhn did not fire the weapon in the direction of the truck. He might have pointed the gun in the direction of the truck, but he didn't fire at the truck. Over a honk? Really? Kuhn testified at Baltimore County Circuit Court on Wednesday of last week that his reaction was the culmination of several months of being harassed by passerby over his yard sign supporting Joe Biden and the Black Lives Matter movement. He says, I was emotional. I did not have any intention of shooting or harming anyone. Well, you know, what goes up must go down, Mr. Kuhn. That's not a law in the state of Maryland. That's the law of gravity. You fire a gun, and those pellets are going to go somewhere. In this case, it was a shotgun, so we're not talking about a bullet, but those pellets are going to go somewhere. Was it safe for Mr. Kuhn to do this? No. Was it a criminal act for Mr. Kuhn to do this? Yes. Is I was emotional a justifiable reason? No. In fact, I can't help but think that if the roles were reversed here, and this was a Trump supporter in Kingsville, Maryland, who was putting up a Trump sign, and a guy with a big Black Lives Matter banner on the back of his Prius or truck or whatever, drove by and honked at him, and the Trump supporter reached down, grabbed a shotgun from the ground, pointed at that truck, and then fired off a blast into the air. I have a feeling that prosecutors would not have been quite as eager to offer that individual a plea deal that resulted in probation. I have a feeling that story, by the way, would have gotten a hell of a lot more press attention than this story got. Politics at work in Maryland? I have no proof. I sure have my suspicions. And uh, outside the courtroom after sentencing, both uh, Hauk and Lang said that Takoon got a slap on the wrist. I have to say, I, uh, I agree. All right, on to our armed citizen story today from San Antonio, Texas, where a, a resident shot a man crawling through the window of a, a San Antonio home. This was about 10 p.m. Sunday night. According to a KTSA, police were called out to the home on Shelburne Drive on a Sunday evening. They said that the man was shot several times as he tried to enter the home through a window in the back of the residence. Uh, at this point, they don't know whether the deceased and the shooter knew each other. The uh, homeowner brought in for questioning and said to be cooperating with police. No charges have been filed. I would expect that no charges will be filed, uh, given that this guy was trying to make an unlawful entry into the uh, domicile there. And the uh, homeowner had every right to protect himself 
and others inside that home. Finally today, we have our good deed of the day. From uh, WICS in uh, Murraysville, or excuse me, Murrayville, Illinois. Where a police officer and several members of the community helped rescue a driver whose vehicle had flipped into a water-filled ditch. This was uh, last Friday afternoon, just before 5 o'clock. Uh, while he was on duty, Murrayville Woodson Police Officer Patrick McKinnon saw a rollover crash. And when the vehicle rolled over, it actually landed in a ditch that was filled with several feet of water. The driver was trapped by his seatbelt, could not exit the vehicle. Water is now flooding into that vehicle. The driver actually became unconscious when his head and shoulders were submerged in the water as it filled the interior. McKinnon and several civilians who were just passing by, driving by, saw what happened. They jumped into action. Officer shattering the vehicle's side window to gain access to the inside. Within five to six minutes, McKinnon and other people who stopped to help were able to free the driver. The driver at that point had no pulse whatsoever. So some of those who had stopped to assist actually knew CPR. They began CPR on the driver. They got a pulse, which is amazing. After five or six minutes, they got a pulse. The man was airlifted from the scene. According to uh, Murrayville Woodson Police Chief Derek Suttles, he said, uh, I felt a need to write this after viewing Officer McKinnon's car camera and body camera footage. He says, as I watched the events unfold, I noticed so many people that I know from our community stop, exit their vehicles, run to the aid of another individual in dire need of help. He says, I know many of these people that I saw personally, and I know that they would never expect to thank you for being a good person. But in this case, the chief said, the, this individual's life depended on these people stopping because there's no way that Officer McKinnon by himself could have freed the driver on his own. From the individual who provided the crowbar to Officer McKinnon, to shatter the window, to those who assisted in pulling the victim from the car, to those I saw performing CPR and other life-saving efforts, I want to say we thank you. In a world filled with so much negativity and darkness, the chief said, I want to shine some light and acknowledge that there are a lot of great people in this world, and especially in these small communities that I am privileged to serve. A um, very good statement. I think by the uh, chief there, uh, Derek Suttles, and again, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, because that's what we do when we see folks in need. Uh, Officer McKinnon and all of those good Samaritans, we thank you very much for your very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. But don't forget, you can always get more Second Amendment news at BearingArms.com. We are updating the website throughout the day with the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. We will be back with more Bearing Arms, Cam and Company tomorrow. Don't forget as well, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media. That way you'll never miss a program. That, that'll be on YouTube. On the Rumble.com, we're at Barry and Arms Cam and Company. Same with Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Just look up Barry and Arms Cam and Company. You'll find us there. We certainly do appreciate your support. Look forward to being back tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.